I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 382. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Sometimes a song will inspire you to look at scripture in a new way. This is exactly what We Are Messenger song, Come What May, did for me this week. It took me to a familiar passage, but I meditated on it from a whole new direction. And I can't wait to share my process with you. But first, let's listen. All right, so that's the chorus, but my actual inspiration came from the bridge that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, leads me to still waters, and he restores my soul. Now that comes directly from Psalm 23, and so I headed over there for the week. Now I use the bites of repetition, reading in various translations, meditation, and making a list. BITE stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, and these are just the exercises I use to move beyond reading my Bible to interacting with it. A friend of mine prays that the Word will get in us and then work through us, and when we study and interact with the text, it works its way into our hearts and our minds, and then the Holy Spirit has something to work with to get it through us and out our fingertips. Now, if you're new to the podcast, you might be a little confused at this point. Perhaps you thought this podcast would be about the song, but you see, it's not about the song at all, because what I'm seeking is more than the song. I want to be inspired by the music that God has inspired in his servants to point me back to scripture. And so, to Scripture we will go. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the bridge of this song comes directly from Psalm 23, and so that's where I want to take us today. In my own interaction time with God's Holy Word this week, I did what I'm going to do for us today. I read the entire psalm all the way through. Not so hard on this one because it's only six verses, but even with the longer ones, when you begin interacting with the text, it's important to read it all the way through at least once before dissecting it. So here we go. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, I love that all of that is in the bridge of our song. So let's not miss the rest of what this psalm teaches. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in order to get the text under my belt, I read it several times over several days. And so that's me using the bite of repetition. The Bible interaction tool exercise of repetition has several benefits. First, the more often you read a section of God's word, especially a psalm as familiar to many of us as Psalm 23 is, well, the more you identify or recognize new information or details. And this actually leads to deeper understanding and comprehension. Now, another benefit is that it will lead to your ability to retell or maybe even recite the story or song that you're studying. We've talked about storying in previous episodes, but even with a psalm like this one, especially one with so few verses, uh, repetition in one translation can actually lead you to internalize the text in such a way that you can recite it or at least retell the highlights of the psalm and get in most of the details. Now, finally, repetition builds confidence with the text. So building on my previous point, the easier it is for you to recall the details, the more likely it is for you to share what you're learning with others with confidence. Repetition can lead to that confidence. Now, I I added the bite of reading in a variety of translations because of the first point in repetition. I find when I read a section of scripture repetitively, and then I add in the bite of reading in a variety of translations, I begin to notice details I may have missed before. Maybe the translators use a different word in one translation than another, and specifically um, when they do that, then maybe it's a word that I'm not as familiar with, the detail jumps out at me. I generally, I study in the English Standard Version, but I also like to read in the New Living Translation. My pastor often preaches from the New International Version. My mentor always loved the New American Standard Bible. I've memorized a lot of scripture in the King James Version. So every once in a while, I'll read in the King James for old time's sake. So once I felt comfortable with the content of the text through repetitive reading in various translations, then I moved on to take the bite of meditation. Now, I mentioned that I began to meditate on this psalm. And this just means to think about it, to let it roll around in your head a bit, to really ponder it. Um, But anyway, I I began to do this from a perspective that I'm not sure I've ever done before. And that is to consider the environment and the circumstances this psalm sings about. Yeah, sings, because psalms were songs that were often sung, even congregationally. So our song declares, uh, by, by We Are Messengers, declares that we will rest in the arms of Jesus come what may. And this phrasing encouraged my thoughts to consider circumstances. In fact, that's what I discovered they meant when I read this quote by Darren Mulligan, lead singer of We Are Messengers. He says, In the past year, we've all collectively been forced to concede that despite our illusions and devices, we do not get to control the world around us. And Come What May is a song that not only acknowledges this reality, but revels in the fact that we have a God that loves us and is worthy of our faith, hope, and trust, no matter what circumstances we are facing. It's a celebration of freedom, of not having to fabricate a false reality to ourselves and those around us, and a declaration of the goodness of God. Now, I see this theme in David's Psalm 23 as well. And so I took the bite of making a list to jot down the environments or circumstances that I see in this psalm. And here's what I see. I see green meadows, peaceful streams, right paths, darkest valleys or the dark valley of death and a banquet table. 
So every high and every low that we sing about in our song is represented here. And I meditated on this list and I used my imagination to picture each scene. So also, before we picture the scene, this psalm is not written as a shepherd. Even though you may know that it was written by King David, who was a shepherd, I think sometimes we get confused by that because we know him as a shepherd boy. No, this psalm was written by a sheep. And the fact that he was a shepherd boy helped him value the benefit of a faithful, loving, and kind shepherd guide. But it's definitely written from the perspective of a sheep. So let's back to imagining the scene with that in mind. The first thing on my environment and circumstances list is green meadows. Now, green meadows represent times of provision and abundance to me. I envision bright green grass with wispy wildflowers bowing slightly to the soft breeze. I picture loads of sunshine with enough rain to keep the meadow green and alive. I I picture the feeling that I don't lack anything to be healthy and full. And if I'm a sheep, this is the jackpot. And I picture a big meadow, no scarcity thinking here, enough for me and enough for you. And I can imagine this is what David is picturing too, because he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And I love that our shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures or green meadows, as the New Living Translation puts it. And that's what I put on my list. But why would the Lord have to make us lie down in such abundance? Well, because sheep are known to be dumb. (laughs) Sometimes we don't appreciate the the abundance we're experiencing. Sometimes we don't see the vividness of the green grass around us. We don't appreciate the beauty of the wispy wildflowers. We don't recognize that there's enough. We don't see that we shall not want here. So he makes us lie down. And I'm not sure how he's made you lie down before, but just recognize that perhaps he wants you to bask in the vast goodness of his abundance And you're too excited for what's over the next ridge or too distracted to see the green meadow right in front of you. Now, the next environment our psalm mentions is peaceful streams. Without water, there's no life. In fact, Jesus refers to himself as living water. But the text doesn't say just water. It says still waters, or as the New Living Translation puts it, peaceful streams. There's a big difference between rushing water and still water. Even though both contain water, you can picture the scene differently, can't you? So as I imagine the peaceful streams, I recognize that God leads us beside still waters. Waters that aren't rushing and causing damage, but rather a place to drink deeply and be filled I picture a quiet stream in the mountains because mountains are some of my favorite places to go. I love the rock formations and the colors, and I picture the water trickling over the rocks with quiet pools along the edges that I can come up to as a sheep and drink deeply. Now, Isaiah 49.10 reiterates this idea. The prophet offers his own contrast. He says, They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Now, Ephesians 5, Scripture tells us that the word of God is a cleansing water. It says this in beginning of verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, 
cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And then Jesus says of himself in Revelation 21, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And in John 7, Jesus describes the water from within believers. He describes that as the Holy Spirit. And beginning in verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So still waters means being able to drink deeply from the word of God and in a sense, drink deeply from Christ himself with the ultimate result of the Holy Spirit flowing from within me. No wonder the psalmist says, that he restores my soul. These green pastures and still waters truly do restore my soul. And notice this, it doesn't say that the stream flows in the meadow. You can be on a stark mountain trail in life and still be led by a peaceful stream. You can be in that um, desert place that the, the prophet is talking about and still be led by the peaceful stream. Just saying. All right. Now the next environment is described here as the right paths or paths of righteousness, a direction in life that is acceptable to God, a depiction of holy thinking and uh, living that leads in a direction where the destination ultimately honors God. After all, it says he leaves, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So more than the ease or difficulty of this path, as I'm picturing it or as I'm imagining it, the thing I'm thinking about is the goal or the direction of the path. Where does this path lead? According to Andy Stanley, the principle of the path is that direction, not intention, determines our destination. So if our ultimate goal is to make much of God, if our, if our walking a path of righteousness is for his name's sake then the paths we choose to put our feet on will look very different than if we are seeking to make much of ourselves. And he will lead us on those paths of righteousness, on those right paths. So the next environment I see is the darkest valley or the dark valley of death. And it's it's in the words used here to describe it. It's dark or seemingly void of light. And it's low. It's not a mountaintop experience here. It's a valley And uh, these are dark days, the kind of darkness that accompanies death. I picture a dark and eerie valley, one that is scary with evil lurking in the shadows. I can't see my feet. I can't see which direction I'm supposed to go. I'm disoriented and scared. Part of me wants to flee and then the other part wants to stand frozen in fear, waiting to be rescued or waiting for the lights to come back on. And as a sheep in one of those valleys, what does David declare in verse four? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And that is why I said the valley was seemingly void of light, because if God is with us and God is light, then the darkest valleys will not be completely dark. The light of the world walks with us and he does not leave our side. 
In fact, what tools does our good shepherd use to guide us in these dark times? It says his rod and his staff. In the second stanza of verse four, it says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I think of God using loving discipline or correction and guidance. The rod inflicts a little pain to keep us from danger. And the shepherd's staff has like a hook on it to pull the sheep back to the safe place as well. Both of those things bring comfort to us. Even in the darkest times, we are being guided. He never leaves our side. Now, the final environment I see in this psalm is the banquet table. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I'm thinking the shepherd boy is reflecting on his position as king at this point. I'm not too sure how many sheep eat at tables. Uh, But I can picture the scene, can't you? A banquet table fit for a king with food and drink and laughter and celebration. I can see brooding enemies in the corner, the ones who wish evil on you and not good. And in a beautiful ceremony of pomp and circumstance, the king of kings, the great high priest, anoints my head with oil. Like the great high priests of old whose heads were anointed with oil to depict a holiness and a being set apart. My great high priest anoints my head and I feel this holy sensation as the silky substance begins to drip off my head. And I think of 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as the good shepherd pours a drink into my golden chalice, remember, it's my imagination. It can be golden if I want it to be. It fills to the brim and then it overflows There's more than enough for me. God is not stingy. He does not hold back. He is abundant, full of goodness and mercy. No matter the circumstance, I see my shepherd leading me and guiding me and restoring me and saying beside me and honoring me and pouring himself out for me. So yes, I can with joy sing along with we are messengers in every high and every low on mountaintops down broken roads. You're still my rock. My hope remains. I'll rest in the arms of Jesus. Come what may. So what's next? Well, spend some time in Psalm 23 yourself this week. Uh, Read it repetitively. Try reading it in various translations to see if details jump out at you that you may have missed before. Spend some time meditating on the text, taking into consideration the environments and the circumstances described. Don't be afraid to use your imagination as you picture the scenes in your mind. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My uh, public Facebook page is michellekneezat and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with new release today, the most innovative and largest Christian entertainment site online. I'm super excited to be part of this network, and I hope you check them out at newreleasetoday.com. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. I've had some great feedback about it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. You submit your name and email address at michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-day challenge, and then I'll put a 
brief video and a short, a very short uh, uh, snippet in your email box each day for 30 days to keep you on track. I hope you uh, join soon. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Beth from South Carolina and Lois from Massachusetts. Welcome. And new subscribers to my website, by the way, benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start and hopefully a very useful resource to you. You will also benefit from an email that I send once a week um, that includes a memory verse resource, also an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the resources. Sometimes I create extra resources for my episodes from time to time. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Billy Goat 1987, who writes, Hey, Michelle, I just wanted to say how much I enjoy the breakdowns from songs and the connection you dig through in scripture. Always encouraging. So thank you again and keep up the good work. God bless. Well, God bless you and thank you for your encouraging words and for taking the time to review the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Canyon by Ellie Holcomb. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 382. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways. <laughs>